What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. Today, I've got a hard money lender on the call with me, and we talked all about the state of the market when it comes to money. So I wasn't sure exactly what we were going to go into, but Ray Williamson with Lending Home, uh, he's been on the podcast a few times. He's been at our events. You may have met him, uh, talked to him, heard him. And we've done some webinars together and things like that. But today, we talked about the state of the market right now. What are hard money lenders seeing? Uh, talked about valuations. How should we value property? Um, how, what's the cost of money right now? Um, what are some tips about um, going out and getting money, reducing your rates, things like that? And we made a huge announcement, a very big special announcement uh, at the end of the podcast. So you've got to listen to it. There's, um, there's some really good stuff and announcement that I think you're going to like. We might be giving something away uh, very, very soon for you. So uh, stick around to the end of the podcast. And uh, here's Ray Williamson with Lending Home. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right. What's up, everybody? I'm uh, really excited about this interview today. Uh, Ray and I have got to know each other. I think we've probably known each other for like three or four years at this point. Yep. I remember you coming to the uh, our, one of our Flip Hacking Live events, meeting there, and just uh, getting along really well and, and building a relationship. And been on the podcast a few times before. And uh, obviously, a representative lending home, lending home, and and seven figure flipping work really well together. We have some great programs together that we've worked on. Uh, over years, you and I trying to get them up and running and launched and announced and, and it's just been amazing. And you guys have done a lot of stuff with us and we have some really cool announcement that we're doing together at the end of this podcast, but I'm going to do the interview first. So stick around to right. the end. We're going to uh, make a really cool announcement, something that we're doing together. We kind of partnered up on something and I think you guys are going to be really surprised and, and enjoy it. So um, Ray, if you just want to take a minute, just tell everybody who you are, if they haven't listened to the previous podcasts or uh, anything else that we've done together, any of the webinars or anything, uh, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about Lending Home. Got it. Well, I appreciate you having me. Um, I have been with Lending Home just over six and a half years. So spent probably maybe the first three years of that running all of their operations and then um, went out into a new business development role uh, as a director, really just looking to assist the company in growing more our experienced borrower channel of business uh, over the course of the last three and a half plus years. So as you could probably imagine, I have a pretty good uh, sense of how we've evolved uh, from you know, closing 35 loans in a month when I first started to just over a thousand uh, last month. So that's not a short period of time, but certainly a significant amount of business that we've uh, been able to be the hunter. And now we feel like we're the hunted, if you will. Um, but, you know, the relationship that we have with Seven Figure Flipping is really, really special. I mean, what I saw in your group and the participants made me want to advocate more quickly uh, on your guys' behalf as it relates to just what we provide, whether it's programs, responsiveness, um, just any type of scenario. So I, I've, I've enjoyed the relationship evolving over that period of time um, to the point where I don't think you have to kind of ping me anymore on anything that's going on. I think people feel comfortable pinging kind of the uh, folks here at, at Lending Home, but uh, we certainly enjoy at a very deep level the relationship that we have with your company. 
Yeah, it's, it's been really great. We have, uh, I mean, we work really hard to roll out the 100% financing for our members in uh, Seven Figure Altitude and our mastermind groups and stuff like that. So that's a huge benefit to yep. our members and being part of our mastermind. And we have some folks that are like that, that pays for it itself. Like I was right. going to be out of pocket, you know, $50,000, $100,000 this year, just on a few loans. So yep. it's been really, uh, really incredible. It took us, I think it took us like a year and a half or two years to get that going. And uh, every time we thought we had it, it was back to the, uh, yeah. uh, a couple more things that we need, but look, it was worth it. I, I really, uh, I really love the fact that we, uh, that we did that. Uh, can yep. you tell, uh, some people might not even know what Lending Home does. You mentioned that like a thousand loans a month. That's, that's great. But um, what, what exactly, who are they? What do they do um, uh, primarily in the marketplace? Yeah. So Lending Home is a exclusively right now a residential hard money lender. So we provide both short-term acquisition and rehab money. So 12, 18, 24 month type duration. Uh, somebody's looking to acquire a property or acquire it and to get some level of rehab done so that they can exit either through a resale or through a refinance if they're going to keep it as a rental property. And then on the other side, we provide the long-term financing as well. That that area certainly has grown significantly over the last 12 months, most particularly in the last 90 days. But it, right now, we're exclusively just a residential hard money lender, uh, very non-conventional where we only look at um, kind of experience and a, a, a review of uh, kind of the credit qualifying as opposed to d- digging unnecessarily deep into any type of like income or cash flow analysis. It is really high level, simple experience, credit done. And I think that in combination with our technology platform uh, allowed us to grow to a level where we're, you know, adding and going above a thousand loans a month uh, on, on, a, on that combination on both the rehab and the rental product. Yeah, that's that's actually amazing. A thousand loans a month is no joke. When you said that, I was kind of shocked. Um, at, you know, I do a little bit of lending myself, and I can't even imagine uh, thirty-five loans a month, let alone a thousand. So, um, <laughs> you know, you guys have a big team there, and you do a great job. We we've done a ton of loans with you guys, and I know a lot of our members do. So, yeah. what um, we're talking recently, we've been doing the series on kind of state of the market. So, we talked about marketing. We've talked about hiring and training and onboarding people, like. What does the marketplace look like right now? What are some things that help us stand out from a hiring perspective? Um, Stephen Casey Tackett came on and talked about uh, disposing of properties, how they're wholetailing, and they doubled their exit strategies and a couple other tips that they had and, and things like that. So I'd be interested to talk with you today about uh, some of like what you see in the market on the money side. Now, maybe I can bring a couple of uh, things on the private lending side, or you, you work with a lot of private lenders too, and other people that do loans. So what is the landscape like now and how is it changing maybe in the private money and hard money side? If we can go there, I think it would be really helpful for a lot of our listeners uh, to understand the dynamics of the market, whether it's you know supply and demand related or how much money is flooding the marketplace right now. Yep. I think that's a great question. We get that asked at least every week, uh, maybe not every single day, but certainly most operators when they're looking at their, their money source uh, before they're taking a commitment down and looking at a three, four, five, six month hold, they want to make sure that uh, you know the, the folks that are giving them money isn't all of a sudden going to call them in 90 days and say, hey, there's there's something going on. Obviously, when COVID hit, it took uh, the industry had to take a step back and 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 really a co- collective uh, deep breath. Um, but to we've advanced from that to the point where. And I'll speak to both sides of it on the fix and flip side and then on the rental side. So lending home on the fix and flip side, we we fund loans into a securitization. And all that really is, is a fixed, I'll call it line of credit. 
right? It's a certain amount of, of, of line that we have to borrow from these capital market providers. Uh, and it allows us to advance money to fund loans. And then as loans and projects start to sell and repay us back, then it works exactly like an equity line, right? You lend it out, you get it back, and now you have uh, more, more funding capacity uh, on a monthly basis. Well, prior to COVID, you know, there were certain securitization amounts that we had been able to secure, 100 million, 100 a quarter, 150 million, and there's a certain cost uh, of borrowing associated with that. Well, earlier this year, we secured the largest securitization that the company has ever done, and it was post-COVID, and it was over $300 million. And the cost of funds for that securitization was lower than any pre-COVID cost that we had ever secured. So I actually share that with folks because it's important to know that that's the appetite that the capital markets has for the types of loans and, and properties that your group is looking to acquire, you know, rehab, and then resell or keep. And so they, they've seen the performance, even in a COVID environment, that has been really, really good. And, you know, I think every lender was concerned that there was going to be a, a, a difference from a um, performance standpoint. We really did not notice any difference, um, whether it was immediately or subsequent to the COVID changes that we've made and then even into 2021. So our book of business continues to perform not only well, uh, but better than you know, our competition. And we get that when you go through a due diligence with capital markets operators who, you know, they ask every question under the sun, which is, how's your performance? Can we see it, et cetera? And then we're able to get an idea of how that's performing against the market. And then from that, that cost of funds is generated to us or provided to us. So being able to borrow at that large of a capacity and that low of an amount enables us to go out into the market with a sharper um, execution to our, our borrowers. And then on the rental side, we definitely saw, you know, in the middle of COVID, I'd say May and June, a step back uh, to whether or not there was a, a, a uh, that product had any appetite on the capital markets. It had appetite. It just didn't know how it was going to execute. Well, the playbook is out. Uh, that program basically has had all of the COVID restrictions that were put into play by the uh, Wall Street companies that buy that product have really been eliminated to the point where those are eliminated the ease of being able to get into a rental property from a qualification standpoint, I've never seen it easier. Um, and the interest rates are at an all-time low. So they're not necessarily as low as a bank, but they're probably as competitive as any rental product has been over the course of the last probably 36 months. So I think that speaks to kind of the state of our space, both on a long-term standpoint and on the short-term side. Okay, so what I hear, uh, just to break it down and correct me if I'm wrong, we've got a little bit cheaper money in the marketplace, more of it, and less restrictions than we had before. Is That's that right? Correct. Yep. Okay, why is that? Performance, I think. And I can only speak to lending home, but I mean, the, the performance in the industry just from other lenders, I think speaks to this as well. When you're a lender who's closed over 31, 32,000 loans, over $7 billion, you can start to establish trends, right? And so one of the things that I think has separated out lending home from other lenders is both our technology platform that actually enables folks to use it 
uh, intuitively and get loans closed as opposed to just using it for a place to see a rate, right? Technology is a website, but if it's not something that somebody can use to actually upload documents, facilitate you know, transition, transitioning loans into processing and underwriting, et cetera, uh, giving an idea of it relates to status without having to get somebody on the line or sending an email, et cetera. That's what I'm talking about, sort of that user interface uh, as it relates to that. But when you start to see performance relative to the types of loans that have went through the, to, to, through the business, then it allows you to identify trends relative to what we used to uh, ask for in a loan and what we currently, and I'll, I'll give you one example of that. So about 12 months ago, we made the change, we used to require a proof of reserves, if you will, right, on both the rental program and the fix and flip. You know, intuitively, it makes sense to go, an operator should have money in the bank, and then a lender draws the line on what amount that's going to be relative to what they want to see um, as a number, because they are reflecting it as being something that's going to generate better performance. What we ended up seeing is because you, you're collecting all of the assets, you can see somebody gave us 15 grand, 20 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand, whatever the number was. And we started to see that regardless of the reserves that an operator had, it was not moving the performance any better. What we were able to identify was there were two elements that really drove performance most, the credit score of the operator and the experience of the operator. Reserves wasn't. So that was an element we peeled away. And that, I think that makes it a lot easier on folks to just say, well, it might be a bad time of the month to verify my reserves. Typically, I'm at 100 grand. Now I'm at $36,000 because I have two active projects. So it was great to see data allow us to peel away documentation as opposed to adding layers. And then also on the rental program, we used to collect three months worth of payments up front, right? This was a COVID adjustment. Um, and then pay, use those reserves to make the first three payments. We no longer require that. And so there are examples of the market being able to drive and dictate the need for um, certain items that will um, prove out performance and certain items that are actually not required to hit the performance that we're looking for. So I think those are two examples on two separate loan products, short-term and long-term, where we were able to look at the data and say that we, we don't need something as opposed to it layering something in. So what I hear on the lending side for you guys, the reason why a lot of that stuff happened for you guys was experience. And on the borrower side, same thing experience and credibility, right? Yep. So I think if you're listening to this and you're like, all right, well, he's talking about like lending home, why they, why their rates went down, why they got more money, all these things. And then, and then went on to talk about the borrowers, right? But for us as borrowers, or even if we're not going to a hard money lender, if we're going to a private money lender or somebody like that, credibility, there's no like and trust factor, your background, uh, who you are, what you do, what your experience is like is really important. You leverage that stuff to drive down the rates and drive up the amount of money that they start uh, loaning to you. Because for me, when I started you know, dealing with private lenders, I, I noticed a private lender will give you like $50,000 at first and they, you, don't, you think that's all they got, but it's not. They're just testing you. They're trying it out, right? And I think hard money lenders are the same. So the, ne the next question I have, like, does the same thing happen for the borrowers with you guys? You talked about uh, the landscape changing for you guys as you got more credibility, you started doing more deals. Does a more experienced operator get a more favorable rate and amount and things like that from you guys as lenders 
than uh, than a, a non a less experienced person. So somebody who's been doing this for a long time does a bunch of loans with you guys. Is that like a sliding scale? And as they get more credibility and experience, they start seeing a little bit more uh, favorable rates and terms and stuff. Yeah, so th that is a very good question that I only get every day. Um, <laughs> and, every, and again, I, as you know, I mean, everybody wants to know what's the lowest cost of funds that a particular lender can provide to a borrower. And I think it's a, it's a really fair question. And so what I try to do is give kind of the candid response as it relates to what what truly drives uh, you know our performance and will allow us to give them a, kind of a better cost structure. So the, the two main drivers for us are experience and credit score of the operator. Those are the two things that we've seen drive better performance or less than better performance. So we've made two cuts as it relates to how we look at credit scores, 660 and 720. That's This is on the fix and flip side. And so we tend to uh, have a sharper price at the, uh, the higher credit scores. And then I'll call it more of a normal rate sheet, if you will, price at the 660 plus score. Um, what are some things that, and I know that credit score can vary based on, hey, I just put $35,000 on my Lowe's card because mm -hmm. of, you know, X, Y, Z. And I get it, right? So the credit score used to be 760. Now it's at 680. And why is that going to have to adversely affect me? So my question would be, you know, it, it stinks. So let's take a deeper look into certain circumstances. So do we have an operator that has, has flipped, you know, three properties over the course of the, each of the last two years? So they've got maybe five or six, or do we have an operator that is consistently closing, you know, two or three a month Right. And all of a sudden it's, you know, 12 per year or 25 or 30 over a course of the period of time. So, of course, a larger operator is going to be able to use that experience as maybe a better proxy relative to maybe credit score. Right. If two, two people being equal. Right. Somebody who funds five flips, five flips, higher FICO, lower FICO. That's an easy one. But we will default to the operator that has way more experience because that has proven in our model to be a better performance for us, an indicator of uh, really great performance. The second one is, is an operator in an area where the loan amounts tend to be slightly higher, right? I think a lot of people like to use that phrase, more meat on the bone, right? So if the loan amounts are higher, then obviously the interest on that loan amount, the points on those loan amount are going to be higher to the lender. So if there's a little bit more meat on the bone, if, if you will, then there might be an opportunity for us to be slightly more aggressive with the, the appropriate operator, right? And then the third area is the duration. So how long does an operator take to really get in and out of a property? So if somebody's getting in and out quickly, which is the goal, right? I mean, that's everybody's goal is to get in and out very quickly. It's just What's your definition of quickly? Is it 30 days or 45 days? Or do certain properties tend to stay on? Maybe it takes four, five, six months, depending upon the area that you're in. Maybe you're in the Northeast, so it's inclement weather at times. Uh, maybe permitting down in uh, parts of Florida might extend something out, you know, 60 to 90 days unnecessarily. So if some, if we're going to have our money out for longer periods of time, as opposed to shorter periods of time, that's an that's an opportunity for us to be slightly more aggressive with an operator like that. So it's amount of production that we can see ourselves receiving. It's the loan amounts that we're going to be financing, so higher versus lower. And then the amount of time those loans are going to be on our books successfully, right? Five, six, seven months, as opposed to one or two. Those are really the three areas that when we're diving deeply into it, 
um, drive uh, kind of the, the, interest, the interest rates. The other one is probably the type of rehab somebody does. So if they're fairly cosmetic, they're not busting down walls or adding square footage. That's a fairly cosmetic operation and the, the risk to us is lower. Whereas an operator that's maybe adding 600 square feet, they're popping the top and they're adding, uh, they're underpinning the basement, et cetera. That might be slightly more um, riskier to us. Uh, maybe that's not something that particular property that will uh, drive the cost down maybe significantly. So those are probably, I guess, four areas that we look at to see if we can be uh, a more favorable choice. Okay, so we've got uh, we've got more money in the marketplace, which I see that right now. It's uh, and and interest and real estate is interesting to to folks. The fact that Wall Street is dumping more money in there, folks in Silicon Valley are dumping more money in there. The security that you talked about is more favorable in real estate. It's just obviously everybody knows things are going well right now, and so and then with rates driving down, it just breeds more competition. It's the supply and demand equation, just like we talked about on previous episodes with the marketing, looking for deals and things like that. Um, obviously, very less supply, high demand. Uh, it's going to be more challenging, might cost a little bit more to go find the properties, things like that. But we're making a lot more on the back end, right? right. So same thing with money. The same thing happens here. And um, it should be, uh, it, when there's harder to find deals, it's usually a lot easier to find money. And, right. and vice versa. When it's easier to find deals, the competition's gone, something's happening. It seems to be looked at a little bit more risky and people aren't interested in dumping the money into the real estate market. Maybe they're putting it elsewhere. So um, it, it, they're very, very similar. When you look at marketing, you look at uh, the disposition side, you look at hiring, same thing with hiring right now, just like we talked about. You've got, uh, um, well, number one, you've got people that don't want to work because they're still getting paid not to work. But you right. also have the, the fact that there's a lot of people out there hiring because companies are growing again. And I, I was on an interview, I was interviewing a, a COO integrator for Seven Figure Flipping yesterday, and he's been looking for a job for a while. And he was like, man, during COVID, he's, he's in retail for a long time. And he said, nobody was hiring last year. I was like, I was, <laughs> I wish you applied for this job last year, you know, right. but nobody was hiring really. Right. And there was only a couple, you know, it was a small portion of people hiring. A lot of people lost their, it was really easy for us to hire last year. It's been a challenge for us to hire this year. So yep. same thing with money. It's a lot easier to find the money right now, which means rates should be lower. It should be. Uh, so if you're having trouble finding money right now, you're, there, there's something that is wrong. So let's talk about that for a second. I think it would help. Like, um, I know that hard money lenders have helped me in the past and they help a lot of people. But like, if you can't find money for your deal and, and you, you have what seems to be a deal, uh, could it be the fact that it actually is not a good property? It's not a good deal. And other people are seeing things that, that, you know, somebody listening might not see. And what do you recommend to some of those folks? Like when Lending Home gives a, a recommend, like a, hey, your, your ARV is a lot lower than we thought. The rehab looks like it's a little bit more. Um, we're not, we, we're going we're gonna to finance this property at a lower valuation, this percentage. I just see people fly off the top, like, and just be like, oh, they're, they don't know what they're talking about. It's crazy. Like, can a hard money lender protect you? And then in this marketplace, if you're not finding money for the deal or somebody's not willing to finance it, um, what could be going on? Yeah, that, that one's, I love that question because it's, it just has so many tentacles to it. Um, I'll separate out our two channels of business for fix and flip. So of that, of our business, probably 87, maybe 90% of it is really with experienced operators. So they tend to know their ARVs pretty well. Um, doesn't mean that we don't disagree with them occasionally. Uh, we do. Um, and but on the on the less experienced operators, our job really is to make sure that they not only not, 
it isn't that they acquire the property. It's that they acquire the property, successfully rehab it and exit successfully so they can make money, right? And so we put a lot of time and effort into making sure that if their budget is, is, is correct, right? And so did they account for the right amount of money you know, in the different areas from flooring standpoint, et cetera? It's one of the reasons why we mandate a property inspection for newer investors prior to us closing the loan. We want to see the, if something was missed. Right. So is there a massive hole in the floor and there's no you know, subflooring uh, uh, budget line item, et cetera? Um, is, is, does somebody have to walk through one bedroom to get to another? So is there functional obsolescence in the house? Is that going to be addressed? Because that could affect the after repair value of what somebody might pay. Um, we're in a market right now where I think and, I, and this is what operators have told us, even some mistakes are being hidden by just an, a, a low inventory. Right. The, it, it's just going. So maybe some folks aren't necessarily seeing um, where the values might be an issue. So we we have an obligation, obviously, to lending home to our borrowers, to our capital markets, investors, et cetera, to you know, value the properties as we see them in the market. And so if we're not going to come to somebody and say you're overpaying. But what we will say is based on the data that we've been able to accumulate, it appears that. Uh, the highest support for after repair value might be X, right? So you start to have a deeper discussion going, are there some missing elements that we have in the scope of work that maybe were glossed over, right? Because a lot of times if we're dealing with an experienced person, they tend to go, it's going to be like one, two, three Main Street. It might not be 100% like that Main Street. Maybe we didn't fund that deal, right? And so uh, I think having a deeper discussion so that we can get more on the same page, um, so, so that we can, I guess, be a, a better advocate for uh, the borrow around value. Um, but yeah, it, the, the market is going in a, in a very positive direction at times in certain markets, not in all, just the resale sales haven't necessarily supported the 11% increase that maybe an operator is either uh, planning on, banking on, or feeling that we should uh, bank on as well. So yeah, we're we're in that 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 position of having to sort of be, I'll call it, kind of a governor, if you will, um, just to indicate that you know we can lean into this a little bit. Unfortunately, we can't lean into this particular area. And two things come to mind: there's certain types of um, uh, maybe property characteristics that you know we look at a little bit differently because we follow. Um, appraisal guidelines versus sales guidelines, right? So somebody that might have an above grade and below grade square footage of $2,000 all in, you might have some, some buyers in a market that say 2,000 is 2,000 to me. I don't care if it's below or above. Well, from a, a standard standpoint, lending home looks at that differently, right? We look at what's above, what's below, and then we comp it out appropriately. So I know that that has fallen short uh, with some folks, you know, I, I think recently over the last probably six to 12 months, but it's, it's definitely uh, something that we're, that we're seeing that we haven't been able to evolve from that I know that tend to drive somebody somewhere else. And if I think there's a lender that can take care of a borrower at, at the financing requirement that they have, and we can't, that's, that's the second place I'm sending them. Yeah, there's a couple of things that I want folks to pull out of that. Well, number one is uh, a hard money lender is on your team also. So, um, you know, if you're working with somebody and they send back a valuation, that's not what you agree with. Um, before you just go to the point of they don't know what they're talking about, um, just remember that they did a thousand loans this month 
and probably close to it last month and the month before that. And this might be the first or second deal that you're doing. So take a step back and just look at the whole thing for a second and, and, and consider what if. There's a couple of times where I've had some people that are in my corner that are like, like great friends of mine and great at what they do and way more experienced than me that told me not to do a project. Uh, I can remember one that I lost $70,000 on and one that I lost $50,000 on. So um, I wish that I listened to some of my team and my advisors there instead of thinking that I knew everything at that time uh, when I was less experienced than the people that were telling me. And, uh, and I, I really just wish that they like banged me on the head and said, don't do it. I would never do this. Uh, but they were like, I'm just not really interested in funding this one because of this, this, and this. And I was like, all right, I'll go to the next one. Yeah. And so that's one thing. The other one you talked about was sales versus uh, kind of appraisals and things like that. So we, we talked about it on, on a couple of previous episodes and things we've been talking about at State of Market recently is daily, the prices are going up. So people are pointing at, oh yeah, but this house is under contract for $20,000 over list price. I just listed one for 160, it closed at 185. It's just, it's crazy. But I, I planned the ARV on that house at 160, not at 185. I right. got 185, it was great. If I planned yeah. the ARV for 185 and got 160, I would have been in big trouble, right? So how do you guys, and, and I want to make sure I ask this question correctly, because I, I want to go down a road of, in a market like this, where things are going up so fast, mm -hmm. like how do you guys, and how do you recommend that we as flippers evaluate our, our ARVs and things like that? Do we look at past one month sales, past six months? Are you guys looking at, you know, just post-COVID or pre-COVID rates or, or things like that. Because I remember I did a show about a year ago and we were talking about, uh, actually it was like about six, seven months ago. And we're talking about like, be careful about projecting too much appreciation going forward. You really have to um, have to watch out for that because it, it will bite you at some point, even if it just flattens out or dips or like, I don't ever plan for this over asking price right now. Because if I did, I'd be in big trouble. Uh, well, right now I'd be fine. But tomorrow, who knows? So a lot of times we're buying properties and we have to look at 90 days from now, uh, 120 days from now, 30 days from now, six months from now, depending on maybe years from now, if you're doing some, a bunch of big new construction stuff. So how do you guys do it? And what do you recommend? Like what's the best practice for us? And you are nailing all the ones that uh, are 18 minute conversations and not three uh, with me on the phone. Um, I, I think the biggest thing to probably communicate is we are not in the speculation game. So when we get a project that comes in and somebody's buying a property for 180, they're putting in 55 grand, here's the elements that they're doing. We're looking at similarly renovated homes. What have they sold for in the immediate area, right? So half mile, mile at the most. And again, I think price points tend to dictate how far out you, you can go or, or should go, right? So if it's a lower price point, uh, and, 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 you know, first-time home buyer probably doesn't need to expand outside of a half to a mile. Whereas if it's a larger home, maybe in an outlier area, there's not going to be as many. I uh, probably need to expand a little bit more. But we're not, we don't look at it and say, well, the sales are 325, but in the last three months, we've been increasing at 11%. So we're going to be comfortable at 11% above what we're seeing in the market. We don't do that. We see what have things sold for recently. Our book of business is typically reselling within, I want to say four months, maybe five months. So this is not an 18 month lookout period where, right, where we're like, we have no idea what the market may or may, it's pretty accurate uh, that, that what we're doing. 
we hope somebody, to your point, gets 12, 15, 20% above asking, and it actually appraises uh, with, with that buyer. But our job and how we do it is we look at what the market is today leading up to it, probably over the course of the last three to six months. We'll extend it to a year, depending upon property location. Um, if we need to lean into something, maybe there's fewer comps. What we're looking for is what is the activity recently? So if there's a lot of activity, it makes our job a little bit easier kind of leaning into maybe that something that's toward the higher end. So if the if that property variant seems to be properties selling between 325 and 345, but there's a lot of activity, a lot of listing, a lot of pendings, we don't necessarily count pendings, but if the pendings are, are still on that upward trend, we can see that we, we could probably land closer to, if not at the higher end of that variance, as opposed to if we're not seeing anything in the top of the market's three and a quarter, and we have an operator that's saying, I'm going to sell it, or my ARV is 345, and 340, if anything less than 345, their terms would change. I think that's an important piece because whether we disagree on value or not, if the terms don't change, nobody should care, right? And so, so if terms change, then all of a sudden that's when we start to have that discussion. Then it comes down to digging into two things. What are the properties that that particular operator used to determine that was going to be their exit price, and then digging deeper into um, the kind of the narrative behind the rehab. Because sometimes I think an appraiser gets lost in numbers, right? Eight grand for a kitchen, you know, four grand for flooring, et cetera. And they can't see the picture, right? But if some, an operator has done, this is going to be exactly like the three properties I've done in the last four. Here's a Zillow link to all of those. Now, all of a sudden we can see right? What, what this thing's going to become as opposed to almost blindly figuring it out. I think those have been very helpful in being able to help us. Uh, I always use the word lean into because you're either going to lean away from where somebody needs to be, or you're going to lean into it. And hopefully, it, you know, if there's a disagreement, uh, but if there's stronger, compelling items that we can kind of understand, we're absolutely willing to kind of lean into an area or a number uh, that actually exists in the market. Okay. I love it. I think that, you know, if you're in an area right now that has one month of inventory or, or less than some of these, um, it's, it's unlikely that it's going to go to six months of inventory by next month. And right. you mentioned uh, most operators are like three to four months. This is about right. Like, just look at your timeline, your whole time. People ask me this all, same question all the time. Like, you know, what's the market going to do? Uh, let me get my crystal ball out. Let me take a look. But to go from one month inventory to a buyer's market in the next few months is very unlikely. So like, look at that, but don't plan, like you said, don't plan for uh, 10, 10% month over month appreciation either. And so start saying, well, in four months, my property is going to be worth 40% more than it is right now. Like, no, it's not. So, and if it is good for you, that's the cherry on top. Yeah. Like that's, that's what you get for. And I've seen some people that are like, man, it took me an extra six months to renovate this property from what I thought it was going to. And I am so happy right now. Well, right. Uh, there was a time where you would have been very disappointed. And so wherever you land in that cycle, I think is really important. So we're a pretty short-term folks. I, I, a lot of people listen to this are wholesalers and flippers. And so we're pretty short-term, right? And, um, and if you're a rental property investor, you're going to hold a property for 30 years. You don't really care. Like it's going to even itself out. So, yeah. um, it, you know, we're not... We're not doing uh, two-year projects. We're typically in and out in a few months. And right now, right now, most people, a lot of people are just buying it and, and cleaning it up a little bit and throwing it on the MLS because the retail buyers are going crazy. 
Correct. And I mean, I made probably just as much money on that deal that went from 160 to 185 than I would if I fixed it up and put $30,000 into it. And I got holding costs and all these other things. So um, just kind of think about that. And I realized I, I asked a, a much longer question of you and I've been doing that. Um, and we, we're getting, I mean, we had this scheduled. I'm already over time. Um, I think hopefully you guys got a lot from this from where we've gone so far. And I think the, the state of the market, what, what we're talking about, we got marketing, we got dispositions, we got hiring, we got money now. And what you're seeing is it really is, in, in my opinion, just a supply and demand equation and wherever you land on this stuff. And, but I think you need to hear this. You need to hear it from a hard money lender that's going out for a $300 million security saying it, there's more money out there, it's cheaper. And so that should motivate you to, um, to go like work with, a, work with a lender like Lending Home for sure. Go out and raise your own money and, and have that confidence and know that that's happening. Know that's the landscape that you're, that you're playing in right now. So right. you shouldn't be worried about going out and raising capital. Because I, I think the, the flippers, you guys are mainly responsible for finding deals, raising money, managing teams, right? And wholesalers, you're probably listening going, eh, it's not that important to me. Well, it is because you need to know your clients and your clients are a lot of flippers, right? So if money is a lot easier to come by and deals are a lot harder to find, then you should be selling your properties for a lot more and making a lot more profit or increasing your buy price so you can do those same number of deals and not say everybody else is paying more than me just because you don't know your buyer. You don't know the ecosystem that you're playing in. So um, Ray, we said we had a, a pretty uh, fun announcement and we got something coming up. Um, I know we've got a lot more things that we want to talk about. So we've been talking about the seven-figure flipping accelerator that we're doing. July 23rd and 24th, we're doing uh, a two-day event. It's a virtual experience. We've got the studio. Ray and I were talking about the studio earlier. We've got it all built out, uh, set up here. We're going to do some really cool stuff. If you came to Flip Hacking Live last year virtually, we're trying to replicate a lot of that stuff in our studio here in North Carolina, or here in uh, Tennessee. So we flew to North Carolina to do that one, but we've been spending a lot of money on tech, building it out here and doing some really cool stuff. And I had this idea. And I, so I reached out to Ray, sent him a message. We jumped on a phone call real quick. And I, I told him what I was thinking. And I don't know what he thought. Maybe I'll ask you in a second. But it's like, I get these, I, I'm just sitting here going, oh, what if we could do this? And what I said was, what if we could, what if we could put money in the pockets of people that were coming to this event for free? So I know that people are struggling right now to get their business going. We got a lot of new folks that are coming into our world and coming to these events and they're struggling to get their marketing out. They're struggling to maybe uh, pay for some, some mailers or do some cold calling or hire somebody or, or go to an event, like come down to Flip Hacking Live. And that's a struggle for a lot of folks right now. And, um, and so I said, well, what if we could send, what if we could send checks to some of the people? What if we could just, and I don't know, I, I, I I don't want you to really pay your rent or buy groceries or anything like that, but if that's what you need, that's what you can do. But I want you to start your business. Like, what if we could give you $1,000 to start your business or get your next deal by just attending this event for free? And so I called Ray and I said, hey, I, we've done a lot together. Would you guys be interested in sponsoring this event and coming in and uh, you know, speaking, adding value, be a sponsor and, and, uh, and participate in this and basically fund five flippers or wholesalers that attend the event to give them $1,000 towards their, um, their journey, like their, their business, their startup, whatever it is for you, if you're the winner. So uh, he, we talked about it for a while. I, we're still working out how, like how are we going to pick these five winners? But that's, uh, that's what I saw. And they agreed they're uh, going to sponsor the event. It's absolutely amazing. So uh, we've got $5,000 now in the pot that we're going to give away at this event. So not only can you attend for free, but you can win $1,000 towards your business. And it's not like 
we're going to give you a thousand dollars, but it's credits to the seven figure flipping events or masterminds or any of that stuff. Like we are going to, we, we like to email checks because e-checks are a lot easier than getting in the mail, but we'll mail it to your house or we'll email you an e-check and it would deposit it right in your account. No strings attached, nothing like that. All I ask is that you're there, you're present, you're playing all out and you're participating and you've got to be there to win. You've got to actually attend. It's not sign up, get the recordings, those kind of things. I want you to be there because that is what we need right now. We need the motivation. We need the experience. We need all, we need that information to get us through the next half of the year. You're at a place right now where motivation wanes after about 90 days. So we set up our events every three months for a reason. So this is our event right now leading up to Flip Hacking Live to get you out of the gate get you to this next event in October. And we're going to bring in Ray. And I, we, we, I have a list of things that we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about growing your business, how you can accumulate more rental properties easily. We want to talk about new construction, some new things that you guys are doing with technology to make underwriting and valuations a lot faster that I didn't even get to ask you. So Ray's going to come back to the accelerator. He's going to give a presentation um, along with nine of, nine of us. I'm going to give a presentation. I've got a bunch of other people coming in. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And um, you have to go. So if you, you cannot miss this, um, where else can you go to a free event, spend two days, get thousands of thousands of dollars of value and have the opportunity to get a thousand dollar check sent to you. So uh, I'd like to do uh, that. <laughs> so Ray, what do you think? I think you just explained why it made it easy for us to say we're in. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think... I think we, we we try to add value. It's really cool that somebody is going, they're going to be all in for the two days. You know, it's a, you know, a random draw that somebody's going to have that might really either kickstart somebody coming into the space, or it might accelerate somebody that's already in the space. And either way, I think getting educated from the folks that you're going to have on the virtual stage, if you will, whether it's, you know, us or some other folks that really is going to say something's going to resonate with them from one or more of the speakers. And I think that was, that's the all in. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to give you guys any excuses not to attend and participate. That's the biggest thing. Um, you can sign up for these things. We get a lot of people that opt into these things. We, last year we did this, we had over a thousand people sign up to attend and we had about 350 to 400 people online. So you're already like the 1% of people that are out there trying to grow, become an entrepreneur, do all these things that you're doing on top of probably your full-time job or whatever else you do. But like what I want, I want to see people commit and I want to, I want to encourage that and I want to reward that. So I want to, the people that, that are showing up, that are participating, they're playing all out. Um, we're going to find a way to make sure that we can, um, we can get you guys in the running and in the drawing for this thousand uh, dollars each. So we're going to do five of those. And I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm thankful to Lending Home. I thought it was kind of a, a little bit of a Hail Mary um, uh, just reaching out to you. It, it didn't take long for them to say yes. And I, I'm, I'm thankful they did. And it's really nice to have somebody that, um, that can see what you want to do and believe in you. So there's a lot of uh, like mutual respect here, obviously, that they know that we put on a great product. The event's going to be really great. We have the opportunity to, to speak with you guys. And I know that, you know, if you do business with them, I like to bring people onto our stage and into our world that I've done business with, that a lot of our members have done business with and had a lot of success with. So um, if, if it means anything to you, if you're listening, uh, Lending Home obviously gets my vote uh, of confidence and support. And we've done some really great things together. I'm always thankful to work with you. And Ray, I really appreciate your time and uh, coming on here. Like it's the most valuable thing that we have. And I took a little bit more of it than you expected. Um, so, so thank you. If you're listening to this, go to sevenfigureflipping.com slash accelerate. So sevenfigureflipping.com slash accelerate. The link will be in the show notes. 
uh, in the Facebook post, uh, wherever else we post this, Instagram, all over the place that the team puts this out. Um, but you can go to that link and, and sign up. And uh, we'd love to see you there. We'd love to be a part of it. Ray's going to speak, like I said, about this uh, rental loans. If you have more questions uh, for him or anybody else on the team, this is going to be a great time to come. And we'll make sure that you guys get that stuff answered. If we can't answer it live at the event, we'll make sure that you get the answer afterwards. Uh, we really want people to come learn more about money lending, about raising capital, about all that stuff and how you can get your deals funded. And uh, Ray, any, any, anything? Oh, where can they find you? If they want to talk to you, kind of in the meantime, or get a hold of Lending Home, where's the best place for them to go? Or maybe they have a deal right now that they want to get funded. Yeah, I mean, they can just find out things in general about Lending Home, lendinghome.com. Uh, you can go to lendinghome.com backwards slash Ray, uh, or you can just email me at ray at lendinghome.com. So different, depends on how how granular you want to be if you have a live deal, so or just want to find out about us in general, those probably the three best ways. Awesome. One more question. If they have a, a deal right now that they want funded, like are, are you the person to talk to or is they, do they submit it online on the website? What is best for you? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the website's built for them to be able to go online and do that. Uh, what I would say is if it just for some reason doesn't feel like it's moving it forward, maybe there's some questions that you don't think that you should be being asked on those. Uh, again, Ray at Lending Home, uh, I will either answer them personally, get you in front of the right person that will. So Awesome. Yeah, I've always I've always been impressed with uh, Ray giving out his personal information all the time, uh, offering to help. He's helped a lot of our members, uh, and anytime they need something, he's there. So it's it's really great. Uh, Lending Home is very lucky to have you for the last six and a half years, and I'm uh, I'm really happy that you came to that event uh, a few years ago. We got to know each other and have done a lot of things together. So um, everybody, go to sevenfigureflipping.com/slash/accelerate. Uh, you'll be able to see Ray there. You'll be able to see me, see me there. Uh, Stephen Casey Packett. We've got a lineup. Tyler Jensen. I just did a podcast with him. It's going to be absolutely amazing. That's just a handful of the speakers that we have. Um, Life-changing event. It's going to set you up for success over the next three months leading up to Flip Hacking Live. And then I hope you attend that event and see us there. Um, Lending Home's been there for the past few years, and I'm sure um, I'll be reaching out to them to to attend as well again. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Anything anything else, Ray? You good? No, I really appreciate the time. I think this has been worthwhile. Hopefully for folks. And look forward to uh, chatting with them in uh, July. Or yeah, late July. always some great information. I think the state of the market is really important when it comes to all of this stuff. And and money is no difference. Uh, money is, it, it's I don't know. A lot of people get stuck on that, but it's everywhere right now. And you really you really need to go out and get it and and get it fast and, and get a hundred percent of it. Get a hundred percent of that financing with Lending Home. And uh, <laughs> if you guys are uh, interested, we have an amazing program with them too. Uh, they do a great job. So I'll see you guys at the Accelerator, Ray. I'll see you there. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Uh, bye, everybody. We'll see you on the next podcast. All right.